She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome back to mid-January. Here we are. We are almost through January, guys. I am so proud of each and every one of you guys. We have done it. I'm so proud of you. A lot of you guys are fasting with your churches, you know, or maybe even just by yourself. I I keep seeing a lot of churches doing this, and I absolutely love it. A lot of you guys are knee-deep in your resolution. Some of you guys have given them up already. which is fine too. Oh my gosh, it's so fine. But welcome, welcome, welcome to another brand new, fresh, fresh episode of the Autumn Mile Show. Guys, I am so happy to announce that we are launching a brand new series today. We have heard from you about how much you love the Mind series and and things that we've done on the podcast And so we are doing a brand new series today, and we've gotten so much feedback from the past few shows that I've done about new, and it's God really spoke to me, and he actually spoke to me when I was kind of writing those other messages from the last couple of weeks about walking into the new and letting things go, and God really told me, I want you to talk to people about when new makes you nervous when new makes you nervous. And I actually want to, I wanted to entitle this series scary new, but I didn't like the word scary for just because I didn't feel like it was good for the beginning of the year. So we're going to talk about when new makes you nervous and I'm going to, we're going to hit it hard and how, how do you walk forward in a new season? How do you walk forward in a new ask of the Lord when you're terrified to do so? How do you walk forward in a new venture or take a step of faith when you're paralyzed on the inside? That's what we're going to hit hard. I'm going to tell you how to do it. And I'm going to tell you how you can walk forward in the new with courage, with strength, with stability, and no one will even ever know that you are nervous. So that's what we're going to talk about after the break. Let me say this. There has been so much happening in our world right now, <laughs> my my personal world, my family world. I can't wait to share with you. We are in just a totally new season in my family. My husband is right now working for an amazing church in our area, and we just absolutely love it so much. And we are sort of transitioning into a huge step of faith ourselves. And my daughter came home oh gosh, I don't know, in the middle of December. And we had a long conversation about what she wanted to do with the rest of her life. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a forecaster, guys. I'm like someone who's like, okay, this is coming. So we need to think about this, okay? And so we were talking about colleges and about school and about what do you think God is calling you to do? And guess what? That's how you should phrase it to your kids, guys. If you are discipling many disciples, 
when you say what's in your future, you need to use the terminology. What do you think God is telling you? Because let me tell you something. They're never too young to hear the voice of God. Never, never too young. Okay. I remember Grace telling me something when she was three years old that about knocked me off my chair because it was so absolutely inspired by the spirit of God. They're never too young to hear the voice of God. Okay. So anyway, I'm talking to my daughter. I'm like, so what do you feel like God wants you to do? What do you feel like he's speaking to your spirit about? Where, where's your passions? I know where her gifts are, so I can call those out in her. But she, you know, we had this long conversation about children's ministry and I had no idea. You guys, I know I, I have known since Grace was a child, very little. She was going to be a leader. She is completely very, very creative, like super duper creative. So she she loves like the Disneys of the world. She loves like, you know, anything fairy tale-ish she's into. And so I've always seen that in her. I knew she was drawn to the creative. She's drawn to like the whimsical. She's She's a leader at the same time. She's kind. She's good with kids. I guess I just never knew that that's something that she would choose for her future. And I'm not saying that she has already chosen her future right now. I'm saying that's what she's interested in studying in college, along with drama. (laughs) But we had this long conversation. It was the next week that we went to church and the children's pastor to our church was there and Grace went up and introduced her and herself and um, said, I'm interested in children's ministry. And it wasn't long after that, that the children's pastor hired her on. And Grace is 16 years old and she is now going to be working in ministry, which thrills. Listen, I would be proud of my kids if they, you know, whatever they chose to do, like they could do, I don't even they could do anything and I'd be proud of them. But there's something about her as a 16-year-old choosing to work in ministry at the age of 16 and seeing that that's what she feels like God has called her to. And I've been thinking about this a lot because um, I had a conversation yesterday with my brother and um, we're talking about like the church in general and about how a lot of people are, you know, taking a step back from church or taking a step back from their faith. And we're having this conversation and I was telling David, you know, the Bible says, Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And as we were talking, I quoted that scripture to him. And, you know, me and David, can we can preach at each other all day long. Like, it's fun to talk to him just because we preach at each other and it's great. But I said, you know what, David? No matter what happens to the church, the gates of hell will not prevail. It will carry on. And I also said this, David, because he's got three kids, I've got four. We are raising the next generation of our church. We are raising it right now. And we kind of said in that moment, it was, I felt like it was from the Lord, but we are raising, we are discipling church in the next 20 years. How we disciple our kids now is what's going to show up in churches in the next 20 years. And I honestly, seeing my daughter 
seeing my children respond to the things of the Lord. You know, God is always on our, our lips. We're constantly talking about the Lord. You know, we're, we're constantly talking, no matter what we do, like, you know, God is in everything that we do. But I just felt like I should share that with you today, that grace, we have discipled grace and we have told her and she, she's seen the power of the Lord. She's seen when we're weak. She's, she's seen when we make mistakes. She's heard me apologize to her a lot. Like I did not get this right. I'm so sorry. She's heard me stand on my faith. She's heard her dad do the same thing. And that has discipled her these 16 years. And now she's choosing to walk in it. So let me encourage you, those of you that are listening with little ones, you are discipling the next church. They're worth it. They're worth you stopping and talking to them about the Lord. They're worth you instilling the stability of scripture in them. They're worth you taking them so they can be around other little children that are believers. They are worth your investment in them spiritually. Sometimes, you know, we take care of all of the, you know, the goldfish. We got the gold, we got the wipes, we got the hand sanitizer, we got the, you know, car seats, we got it all. We got everything to keep them physically safe. But you also have to keep them supernaturally safe. And you get to do you get to do that by discipling them and instilling scriptures in them and and strengthening them even at a young age on the inside. And I just want to encourage you, you are raising the next church and we are discipling the next church. And that encourages me when I look at all God can do through our kids. So that's what's happening in my world. I'll be back after the break to start our new series, When New Makes You Nervous. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, okay, we are back with when new makes you nervous. When new. Now, I know we have talked about the new for several weeks. And you know what? Typically, I would veer to another, <laughs> something else, okay? But then the Lord speaks. And then I'm like, you're right, Lord. If you want me to stay on this topic, that's what I'm going to do. And so that's what we're going to do. 
I feel like we talk a lot about the new and walking into the new and yes, walk into the new, but when you walk in the new, new is so exciting, but it's like, how do you do it confidently? How do you do it like with a firm foundation under you? And I started this because there is a process that God gives us in his word in order to get this walk into the new boldly. Okay. Um, a lot of times we can feel like we're going to walk into the new boldly, whatever that is, new marriage, new relationship, new baby, new mom, new, whatever church, new ministry, new, whatever. And then we get there and we're like, oh, wow, this is really terrifying. Or we actually step out and then all the insecurities flood in. It's interesting that before you walk in the new and you tell people you're walking in the new, you can feel really confident. But then when you're actually in the process of the new, it's absolutely terrifying. And you have to rely on God every step of the way. I don't want you to get to that terrified place. I want you to be stable even in those times that are nerve wracking as you're walking into the new, okay? Thus, we are doing this series, When New Makes You Nervous. Today, the the entire series that we're doing is going to come out of Joshua 1, the entire series, okay? Because this is a blueprint for walking in the new, not nervous, walking in the new, strong. Okay. I want to go ahead and get to it because I feel like the last couple of years, we all want to walk into the new, but sometimes we're frozen. We're frozen. We're stuck in the old. We're stuck in maybe the trauma that's happened to us. And if you find yourself in a place of stuck or frozen or scared or whatever, you know, you want the new, but how do you get there? This is for you. I want to go ahead and read Joshua 1 to you today. And then we are going to like dissect this thing. I'm going to be preaching exegetically for the next few weeks. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's servant saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all the people to the land, which I am giving you to the sons and to them, the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given you just as I have spoken to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites. And as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not forsake you, fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Almost done, guys. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. When I read Joshua one a couple of weeks ago in my own life, and it's just, I know what the new things are that I'm walking into this year, just even a new year, God really illuminated the fact to me that, hello, this is my blueprint, Autumn, in how I want you to walk in the new confidence, confidently, okay? I don't want you to fake it. And tell everyone you're confident and just, you know, fake it till you make it. I want you, Autumn, to walk into this new season of life. And I want you to walk in to it firmly planted on me. And as I as I read this, I grew in a totally new way. I've been to this passage a hundred times. Probably many, many more than that. But it encouraged me in a deeper way because I saw it in a different way. The first thing I want to point out to you, number one, is this is not a public conversation. It's not a public conversation. When you look at Joshua 1, we, everyone has read this passage, be strong and only be strong and very courageous, the preacher said. We've all read it. We all know it. But I want to put a little bit different perspective for you on it. It was not a private, a public conversation. This was not God speaking to all the nation of Israel. It was a one-on-one, it wasn't even a conversation. God was, was, Joshua didn't speak back. We'll talk about that in the later week. God was telling his son, Joshua, this is what you're going to need in the next many years of your life. He took him aside privately and he instilled in him promises, personal promises, group promises. He reassured his son. He gave him direction He gave him general direction. Then he gave him specific direction. This was not a public conversation. It was an intimate conversation from God the Father to his son, Joshua. Now, I want to read the very first verse, and this is going to go into what you need to do first to walk in the new so that it doesn't make you nervous. I talked about this last week, and I'm sorry if it's going to sound redundant, but I'm not that sorry because God told me to talk about it again and put it in the context of this passage. We have got to mourn and grieve the things that were. Now, I want to read to you in a new perspective, Joshua 1.1. Then after, now it came about. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. I told you right there that it was a one-on-one conversation. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to who? Joshua, alone. It was personal. 
Now, why do you think that he pulled uh, Joshua alone by himself and had a very private conversation with him that was full of so much rich truth, promises, and direction and, and didn't tell everybody else? As I was thinking about this, uh, the Lord seemed to tell me it was because Joshua was grieving the most. When we look at this narrative in Joshua 1-2, it says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. And then the Lord tells Joshua, now, now, therefore, arise. Therefore, arise. That spoke to me in a deep way. And as I was thinking of this, I was thinking about how Joshua must have felt when Moses passed away. They knew it was going to happen. God told Moses, you're going to die. You can read it for yourself in Deuteronomy. He straight up told Moses, your time is coming. Go lay hands on Joshua. That's almost verbatim what he said. Moses went and did that. He laid hands on Joshua. He commissioned Joshua. Joshua knew it was going to happen. But sometimes when you know something's going to happen and then it happens, it's totally different mental process, okay? Knowing Moses was going to go and being able to speak to him still is very different than Moses is gone. It's you by yourself, dude. Very different. Keep in mind this. Joshua had been Moses's servant for at least 40 years that we know the text tells us. Joshua served Moses. He was a warrior for Moses. He fought battles on behalf of Moses. He was the guy they sent out to lead the the army to win a lot of the battles. Joshua probably knew him more intimately than anyone, and maybe even Aaron. Because Joshua served him. It's one thing to have a sibling, and then it's one thing to have someone that like is an assistant or that works for you or that works with you. Because a sibling you kind of talk to like, hey, how's your kids? How's your wife? How's your husband? How's your whatever? But someone you work with has to learn how to work with you. They have to know your goods, your bads, your preferences, the way you do things, the way you think in order to make their daily life successful. I thought of this statement from the Lord and I thought, wow, that was really harsh. Moses, my servant is dead. Like get up and go is kind of how it reads. But then I realized it was a private conversation that God was speaking to Joshua because Joshua was probably grieving the most. And I want to just tell you that ministered deeply to me. God uh, told me then to go back to Deuteronomy and the last place in Deuteronomy. And then we're going to get to my point. The Lord said to him, Deuteronomy 34, 4, the Lord said to him, speaking to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, it says him, but it he's meaning Moses. This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over from here. This is the last conversation we see between God and Moses. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, 
according to the word of the Lord. And he was buried in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. Do you know why? No one knows his burial place to this day because if somebody found his bones or his remains or whatever, it would be unbelievable to this day. He is one of the greatest leaders of all time. So God protected his remains, not just from us, but from the nation of Israel. They would want to, to keep his remains with them because he was so revered. Again, think of Joshua having to take the mantle of Moses. It's, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to process. It's almost impossible. The insecurity, how am I going to take this mantle from him? But he passes away and he's buried by the Lord. Moses was 120. This is out of uh, Deuteronomy 34. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes was not dim, nor his vigor abated. He was just as strong as he was when he was young. So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for how long? 30 days. They took 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid hands on him, just like I just told you. And the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Since that time, no prophet has arisen in Israel like Moses, who knew the Lord face to face. Now, Joshua 1, 2, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Can seem very harsh unless you know Deuteronomy 34. When Moses died, there was a 30-day mourning, grieving period. Before, no one was like, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. Next day, Joshua assumed command. Now, they all knew it was going to happen, but they took the time they needed to process and make peace with Moses's death. Okay. They took 30 days. They did that before God spoke to Joshua personally and had this long dialogue. They processed before they walked into the new. As a matter of fact, this was part of their new process. Okay. One of the first things to do when you are heading into a new season, and I have just come out of this myself very personally, is you must process and make peace with what's gone. I know I talked about this last week, but this is going to give you a beautiful overview of walking forward confidently. They took 30 days, 30 days. Maybe it took them 30 days. There's lots of different mourning periods in the scripture. Some seven days. Some people took longer. Some people took shorter. 30 days. To come to terms with the fact that that season is over. The Lord in uh, Joshua 1-2 was speaking the obvious to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. It was obvious. But then he told him, after the morning. It was after the morning. It was after the grief. It was after making peace with it. After he had processed it. Then he said, arise. 
I don't think, I know God is having me talk about this because we don't do it. In this world, we are glamour, we glamorize. I'm tough. I'm strong. I'm fine. I'm this. I'm okay. I'm good. You know, you go to church. How are you? I'm great. And your marriage is falling apart. You go to church. Oh, how is the kids? Oh, they're awesome. And your daughter had a tantrum on the way to church. You know, like, how is this? Oh, I'm wonderful. You know, and we, we are so trained and brainwashed to think that we have to just be absolutely fine all the time. And we have to move from season to season to season to season to season. And in fact, we have never, we never take time to actually process hurts, deaths of relation. This was talking about Moses, who was clearly a person. Deaths of relationships, deaths of hope, the death of your faith, the death of all these different things. We move on from new to new, from season to season. And we wonder why all of a sudden we're having some sort of a nervous breakdown because we never processed and made peace with old seasons. We haven't actually sat down and said, this hurts. I need to make peace with this hurt in this season of my life before I move on to the next one, okay? They hurt me. What they did was not right. I need to sit down, forgive them, shake hands with my past, settle it in my spirit and then move on and then arise. We just aren't trained to do that. Society doesn't celebrate it. They celebrate the new. They celebrate the exciting. They celebrate the miraculous. They don't celebrate the miracle of you actually making peace with a very hard past. You guys have heard my story so much about being divorced. There was a time I'm like, I just wanted to move on to the new. I didn't want to think about the old anymore. And I'm not saying sit in your old forever, but I am saying this. There was a day when not making peace with that piece of my life was hurting me. It was hurting my future. It was hurting my present. And I had to stop and I had to face some of the hurts, forgive the hurts. I had to make peace with it. Sometimes you don't fully move on, especially in the death death of a person. It's very hard to just move on. Like if your parent died or something like that, of course you don't, but you can make peace with it. You can confront your emotions. You can confront how you feel. You can forgive what you need to forgive. You can put it in a place in your heart so that it has a home. This 30-day grieving and mourning period for the nation of Israel was so vitally important because they desperately needed that so that they did not compare the two. When I talk about comparing the two, if they hadn't got closure emotionally and mentally over Moses' death, Joshua would, and he probably did anyway, Joshua would have forever fought the comparison of him to Moses. It was a gift from God that God allowed Israel and Joshua to mourn for 30 days. Seasons need to be grieved. They need to be mourned. 
the bad things of the season need to be faced and dealt with and the good things of the season need to be celebrated, okay, before you move on. This is the first way you can move forward confidently. This is the first step in moving forward where it doesn't make you nervous. It doesn't scare you to death. When you've dealt with the things in your past, when you've given them a home, not gotten over them because people are, you're not going to get over the death of your parent. I mean, that's just really, really hard, but you can make peace with it through the Prince of Peace. Okay. This is vital. It's like a prerequisite into the new thing that God is calling you to do. After Joshua and the nation had grieved and mourned and celebrated Moses's life and given that a mental home, they took the time that they needed to face things. Then God could come in in Joshua 1-2 and say, now therefore arise because it was time to rise. This spoke to me so deeply because I've just come out of a whole season of processing old things myself, of, of finding a home for hurts. The Lord told me not that long ago, you know, th- some things in your past, especially relationships, you need to celebrate those relationships and be grateful to me for the benefit that they had in your life and forget all the other stuff. That was a box that that could go in in my brain. You know what I mean? Before you go forward, the first step is to make peace with your past. So I'm going to leave you on that note today. Next week, we're going to talk about the who, what, when, and where, and why that God gives Joshua in the next few verses. We only talked about two verses today. But I think it's going, when you do that, I want us to be action oriented here. When you make peace with your past, it creates a clean slate, an open ear to hear what God is calling you to next. Okay. So this week, I want you to do that. I want you to confront things that you have not confronted. And I don't mean in a confrontational, like call someone and scream at them way. I mean, in a conversation where if you don't feel like you can call someone and confront them, take those hurts, feelings, whatever it is to the Lord and let him tell you where they go. Okay. Process through the last two years. If you need to, I'm scared about moving forward. I'm scared about what's in the future. Well, why process through that? When you grieve and have a grieving and mourning period of some sort, and they go in a place, you can then move forward. Just a quick story. Grace, you know, she turned 16, and I just talked about her, so this goes perfectly. August, when I took her to school, and she was a sophomore, I don't know what it did to me the first day of school this year, but it, like, put me, I was so upset. I don't even know why. I was just so sad that she was getting older. I grieved. Then she, you know, she's got a boyfriend and like, she's got like the, she's driving her car. She's got her license, the whole thing. And I realized about a month into it that I was grieving her childhood. Like she is not a kid anymore. You know, now she's got a job at a church for goodness sake. It took me four months 
So I made peace with it for months. <laughs> and he's like, wow, you're still dealing with this. I'm like, I know I can't get over it. I think it's because it's my first baby. Took me four months, but I did the work of grieving. And I did the work and I'm so proud of her. You know, moms understand this. You know, you don't want them to leave, but you do all at the same time. It's hard to let them go, but you want them to go all at the same time. That was the case, August, September, October. And finally, the beginning of November, I started to shake it. And I started to see, oh, this is fun. Oh, you can go to the store for me and get, you know, heavy whipping cream on Thanksgiving. This is awesome. Okay. I started to see the, the, the positives in her getting, I, I started to enjoy this new stage in her life. But in order for me to enjoy it, I had to process and grieve the, the old, what she was leaving behind. That's what I want you guys to do this week. This is going to be an awesome series. You're not going to want to miss next week. It's going to shock you what I pull out of this passage next week. I already know what it is. So don't forget to tune back in. I want you to walk into your future totally confident and not scared at all. Not fake, fake faith, totally bold faith as you embrace all God has for you this year. I got a question for you and I will come back after the break and I'll answer it. See you then. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, here I am back with a question from Patricia. Hey, girl. Hey, Patricia. She says this, and I love her honesty. Listen, if you guys want to send me a message, you can question. You can send it to hello at autumnmiles.com or just DM us. And we kind of pick through our questions because we get a lot of them. But Patricia says this, I get very nervous taking financial risks when it comes to my faith. What a great question this is. I don't want to be irresponsible, but I want to obey the Lord. What is your advice on this? <laughs> Patricia, Woo! I love this. Okay. I was going to pull up this passage of scripture and I am going to pull it up. So just give me a sec as I find it. I'll tell you this. I didn't tithe for a very, very, very long time. Okay. Half my life. And then I realized, <laughs> wow, tithing, I can't afford not to tithe, okay? I think you're talking about that. I want to give to the Lord, but I don't, I, I'm scared to. 
Because I'm scared about giving my money, you say, away in faith is how you worded the question. So we, our team assumed you were talking about giving, tithing, things like that. Tithing is scary. Let me just tell you, it's scary because you don't, it's a supernatural thing. You don't kind of know what's going to happen on the other end of it. I was scared too myself. I felt like I couldn't afford to tithe. Even though 20 years ago, my tithe was very, very tiny. <laughs> you know, I still felt like tiny was still, I, I, I needed every bit of that money I put in the, in the offering or whatever. I came across this verse 20 years ago and it's, it may be familiar. It may not, but I'm going to read it to you. Malachi 3, 8 says this, will a man rob God? Yeah. Now this is going to sound really harsh, but it'll get really good. Yet you have robbed me, but you say, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse. Yikes. For you have, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And then this is what he said. This is where it gets really good. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Verse 11 says this, Malachi 3.11, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, when I found that verse, it's one of the only times in scripture that God says, you can test me, test me. I know you're scared to give your money to a church or to whatever you're scared to do, Patricia. But one of the only times in scripture, God says, test me is when it comes to this giving our tithes and offerings. He says, test him so that he can prove to you that it's not irresponsible. Listen to what he says again. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Bring the tithe in so that there may be food will provide for my house. And now test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven. I'll know about you, but I'm all about receiving from the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. I don't know about you, Patricia, but I'm all about me a heavenly blessing. Okay. He goes on to say, then he will rebuke the devourer, which means there's a devourer that wants to devour everything that we have. And he's going to rebuke that devourer, the enemy for us. So Patricia, I say all this to say, uh, I say all that to say this. I used to be scared of tithing and then God took my little tithe and he blessed me. And now I'm scared not to tithe because <laughs> I know the devourer is real. And I would tell you, Patricia, I did it. I remember, I remember 20 years ago, I gave $20 extra a week for a month. And I thought, the Lord, this is so much money. And it is, it is still $20 to me today is still a lot of money. I think $20 is a lot of money. 
But I remember giving that $20 sacrificially 20 years ago, thinking, God, I can't afford to give this. I cannot afford to give this, but I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to claim this passage. You said, you said I could test you. So I'm testing you. And I'm telling you what he did. So Patricia, claim this passage as your promise. Malachi 3, 8 through 11 and see what God does. Okay. I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. Okay. Love you guys. Let me pray us out. And then I'll see you next week. Lord, we love you today. I thank you for all of those that are going to look at their past and they're going to process it. I thank you that there are going to be people today that are going to make peace with their past and they're going to be able to move forward. I thank you today, God, that you allow us to do that. You allow us and you are so gracious with us when we've come out of a hard season. You allow us a grieving and a mourning period. And Lord Jesus, I just pray for that person today that's like, I know this is what you're saying, but I can't even hardly process. I don't even know where to put this in my head. I don't even know where to put some of the hard things I've just come through in my head. God, give them the grace. Give them the wisdom. Give them your truth to guide them in the name of Jesus. And God, continue to bless this podcast. We trust you with it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Love you guys. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. Yeah,